Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the second chapter here, the wonderful book of Philippians. We'll pick up again in verse 5 and really finish our, our time here in verses 5 through 11. And this is really the second part of our message we began last week in true humility. And I want to remind you that, that understanding this is important for a central reason. That reason is Jesus Christ, our Savior, was is, will always be fully God. And so when we think about our Savior Jesus, we think about him very often in the human sense. We, we think about his life that was lived here on this earth because it is there that we've related to him, but we, we then need to take it to that next level that Father God saw the sacrifice of his son and exalted Jesus and then gave him a name which is above the name of every other created thing in the universe, Jesus being God now has a name that's above every name. And so when we call Jesus our Lord, he is one of one. He's not one of many. He is the singular savior of the world. He is that name which is exalted above every other name. And when Jesus returned to heaven, he returned as Savior, he came to this earth to purchase back our lives from the bondage of sin and death. He did so, he completed that, he declared it finished, and Father God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so as we read these verses, as we meditate on them, it's a challenge to us, because our world doesn't like the name Jesus. Our, our world tolerates a lot of things, but it doesn't tolerate the name of Jesus because he's the only name that can save. Would you pray? Father, we ask now that as we turn our attention to the wonder, the marvel of your word, that you from heaven would speak to us here on this earth. God, make these words dig deep into our hearts, our minds, and reside there, that truth that we would hold it uh, as it really is. Lord, there is only one name under heaven whereby men may be saved. And truly it is at your name, Jesus, that most of us have already bowed. And we pray that you would make that truth a reality to someone today. Pray that if there's anyone here who's never met you and doesn't know you, today would be that day of salvation. Bless your word as it goes forth, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Verse 5 here in Philippians 2, and it says, begins, let this mind be in you, which we covered last time. Let us think, let us dwell on, let us remember uh, who Jesus actually is and what he represents to us. This mind which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. As we said last time, he descended the, the longest ladder in the universe. He, he went from heaven to this earth. No, no greater descent could one make than, than from heaven to earth. He humbled himself became obedient to the point of death. Eternal God, 
wrapped in human flesh, died on Calvary's cross, even the death of the cross. When when Christ died, he, he died the most inhumane death that one could possibly imagine. He was beaten. He was scourged. He was struck in the face. His beard was plucked. He was spat upon. He was tried illegally six times. He was offered no witness in his defense. The trial was held at night. Everything about what was done to Jesus was wrong on every single level. Even the death of the cross, reserved for the most heinous of Roman criminals. And therefore, and therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. There is no other name like his name. He's the one and only Savior of the world. He is the Anointed One. He is Christ. He is Yahushua. God is salvation. He is Emmanuel. God with us. He is incomparable. There never has been, nor will there ever be, anyone with his name. He alone bears that name. It is at that name, and that name alone, that name alone, at the name of Jesus that every knee should bow, of those in heaven, the angels, the saints that have gone before, those who currently reside in the glories of the presence of the Lord, wherein there is fullness of joy, when Jesus' name is mentioned, they bow in worship. He's the high priest of heaven. He is almighty God. Those on the earth. You see, men may not realize it today, but Jesus is the only name worthy of our worship. There is no other name to which anyone should ever bow, save the name of Jesus. He is our Prince of Peace. He is the wonderful counselor. He is El Gabor. He's mighty God. It's at his name. And even those under the earth, those who are awaiting at this time the judgment of God, those who've rejected God's marvelous plan, said no to the call of grace, the wooing of the Spirit, even those one day will acknowledge fully, completely, and totally that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so as we look at this passage, brothers and sisters beloved, we are tempted at times to dumb down the name of Jesus. Sometimes we want to make it seem as though there's some other way 
that one can be saved. You know, if you just attend church, if you just read your Bible, if you think happy thoughts and you do it regularly, if you do kind and good works, if you believe in some kind of God, if there's some spirituality in your life, that somehow that will lead you to heaven. Let me make it very clear. There is only one name under heaven whereby men may be saved. And his name is Jesus. There is one way, there is one truth, there is one life, and there isn't another way. That is as exclusive as it gets. And in our world of tolerance, our world that says, well, there must be another way. In our world that says all roads lead to heaven, there is exactly one name whereby men may be saved. And that name is the name Jesus. He is Christ, and he is the only Lord. How do we understand this mind that we're told to have? Turn to Mark 10, if you would, verse 41. It begins there. And when the ten had heard it, they'd been arguing amongst themselves, the disciples and James and John, haggling back and forth over who would be the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus answers that question for them. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. They hold themselves in high esteem. And their great ones exercise authority over them. And yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Notice it says many. Because it is to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons, the daughters, the children of God. You have to receive the free gift of grace. And his name is Jesus. You see, as God speaks these things into our hearts, the result of the Lord Jesus' obedience to that submission to the death was his exaltation to the loftiest heights that could ever be had. He now becomes Lord, Master. He was exalted by God at his resurrection, declared to be the Son of God. You see, that's that true humility. Jesus is that perfect example of obedient service. The Apostle Paul used the Lord's behavior as the measuring stick, as the example of our lifestyle, how we should live our lives. Did you want to have the mind that's in Christ? Here's what it looks like. Death to self. Others-centered. How did Jesus attain that exaltation in heaven? By humbling himself. 
by putting off the glories of heaven, by, by getting rid of the things that you and I would hold dear. When Jesus came to this earth, he came as a babe in a manger, born to human parents, failed and flawed like all human parents are. It's always an interesting time in in parents' lives to talk to them when they've had their first child and then talk to them when they've had maybe their second, third, or fourth child. There's a serious learning curve that happens, amen? That that first one, you're, you're like, you haven't got a clue. And then by the second, the third, the fourth one, you're like, ah, you know. But Jesus was one of one. He wasn't one of two. He wasn't one of three. He wasn't one of many. He was one of one. The suffering servant of God. He emptied himself, surrendered up his glory. The majesty of heaven, he temporarily said, I will leave that behind to come to earth so that they might relate to me as Savior. So that I can become their Lord. Jesus modeled that humility. He lived it. You see, realistically, the way up is down. The first shall be last. He, he, he gave up what he had rights to. When we talk about humility in a general sense, that's one way that we can identify it. When someone has power over you, they have authority over you. When they possess something that is greater than what you possess and they set aside, set down, they, they do not take advantage of their power and they set it aside and say, for your sake, I will leave those things to the side. I, I won't take them up. That's humility. You, you don't see that much in Hollywood. You don't see that Unfortunately, in in a whole lot of professional athletes, not a lot of humility there. You you don't see that in the world's wealthy for the most part. And again, there there are certainly contradictions to those statements. There are people who love the Lord and have massive wealth. There are people on the field of sports endeavor that are absolutely amazing athletes and they love the Lord. There are people in Hollywood who love the Lord. But in a general sense, most people are unwilling to yield the power that comes to them. They will not yield it. They hang on to it with a death grip for the most part. That's why you see so many people who have that type of position in this world hang on to it to their dying breath, even to their own demise often. Jesus said, the way up is down. That's why God exalted him, raised him from the dead. Jesus is our example. He lived these things. When when Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler, he, he said, look, I have one thing I want you to do. You give up all you have and give it to the poor. And that rich young ruler said, I can't do it. I own too much stuff. I have too much authority. I have too much power. It would be surrendering too much. Now think about what we've already said. Jesus left the glories of heaven to come and be beaten and die for your sin. 
That rich young ruler wasn't giving up a thing relative to what Jesus gave up. That's humility. Jesus set aside the fact that he had within him the power that created the universe. Jesus was never less than God, but he chose not to exercise that power. So when they came to arrest him, rather than striking them all dead, he allowed himself to be arrested. When he was in Pilate's courtyard, he'd said nothing in his own defense. Don't think he couldn't have mounted a wonderful defense of why he was unworthy to be put to death. He could have, but he didn't. When he was carrying the cross down the Via Della Rosa, carrying his own cross to his own death, he could have just had it float over his head. It's like, I don't really feel like carrying this right now. I'm God, I'll just have it float there. When he got to the cross, as I shared last time, he could have repelled those nails. He could have cast off the Roman soldiers. He could have said enough, but he didn't. Jesus lived the most sacrificial existence that anyone has or ever will live. He lived it for you and me. And there is a spiritual law, it's found there in Luke 14, that if you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled at some point in time. But if you will humble yourself, if you'll bow now to Jesus Christ as Lord, you will be exalted later. Choice is yours. You can have the glory of this world, or you can have the glory of the next. That's the choice. It's where we are right now in the Sermon on the Mount as we draw to a close on Sunday nights. There are two gates. There's two roads. There are two ways. And there are two destinations. The choice is yours. Because one day every knee will bow. Whether you do it now in submission to his authority as Lord or whether you do it later as rightful judge, deed holder to the earth and the king of heaven, you will one day bow to the name of Jesus. You see, Jesus is now Lord. He is now master. When you look at that Name, Lord. In the Greek from which we have our New Testament principally, they use the word kurios. And it simply means master. But it focuses on who he is. His ruling power, his authority to do so. When we call our president the president, he is the duly elected president of the United States of America. And what comes with it is the authority of the President of the United States of America. So when he stands at a pulpit someplace, much like this, a lectern, on the front of it is the seal of the United States of America. And he bears that authority. He can, with a word, launch a war. With a word, pardon someone from prison. With a word, he can enact new legislation. By legislating with executive action, those types of things. He has tremendous power. There is only one of them. We don't have two presidents. 
The vice president may have a better idea than the president or vice versa, but there's only one president. That president speaks with authority. Jesus is so far above our president, they don't belong being mentioned in the same breath. He is the Lord of heaven and earth and even the Lord over Hades, hell. He's the one that holds sway over the power of the wicked one. Our president has some limited authority. Jesus has unlimited authority. He's the master, if you will, of the universe. It's why his name is above every name. Doesn't matter what kind of created being you might be, you will never have a name that is even remotely close to the name Jesus. The word used over here, uh, or highly exalted, is hooper upso, and it means to be so exalted over there is nowhere else to go. It's the top of the top. There isn't anything that could be over it. If you got there, you're there. His name is the highest name in heaven. His humility led to that name. His humility led to that name. He said, I will go there. They can't come here because they couldn't, you couldn't, I couldn't, we couldn't, mankind could not have drug our sin-filled nature to heaven's door and said, Lord, please let us in. He had to come here. He had to take care of what we could not. And because of that, God exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name. You see, Jesus has always been Jesus in that sense. Yahweh is salvation. That's what his name means. But when he came here, he became Christus. He became Messiah, the anointed one. And he also became Lord. He was Lord God in heaven, but now he's our personal Lord. He's the one to whom we say voluntarily, I submit to you. I will give you my life. You are master and I will follow you. It's what it means. It's why so many people have an incorrect view of what it means to be saved. If Jesus is not Lord of all, is he Lord at all? He's got to be Lord. Because that means you submit to him. And he calls the shots. We don't get to make up our own rules as we go. He gave us the rules. We're supposed to follow them. He is Lord. He is God who is salvation. He is the anointed one Messiah. And he absolutely is our master. So when we think of his name. It declares the character, the nature of God. He is, as the Old Testament saints would have known, he would have known, been known at that time as Yahweh Adonai. You see it in your Old Testament. It cries out to you, Lord God. It means he's always been master. But God declared him master when he said it is finished. He said it's done. 
You can officially call my son Master, Lord, because he's all you need. What he did on your behalf, I accept as a sacrifice. That's why God said it pleased him that the chastisement of our peace should be upon his son. Because you and I couldn't do it ourselves. There was no possible way that you can become your own Lord. You see, the problem with mankind is we try and do exactly that, don't we? We sit on the throne of our own hearts very often. We're our own Lord. Sometimes we're our own Savior, or at least attempt to be. We make up our own rules as we go. And yet God is saying through the Apostle Paul, as the Holy Spirit inspires these words, that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And it will not matter where you're at. No matter which of those two roads you went down, you're going to know that Jesus is Lord. No matter which gate you went through, you're going to know that Jesus is Lord. No matter which way you chose, you'll know that Jesus is Lord. And whether you're in heaven or you're in hell or you're still on this earth, you're going to know that Jesus is Lord. My suggestion is is that you understand that today, right here, right now. Because to do so is to lead to a glorious life right now. Here in this life. What does it mean? There's a passage that reminds us there in John 5. And it says this. Verse 22. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. You realize what that says, right? That it's based on your relationship with the Lord that you will one day be judged. So the moment you take your last breath, if you're in Christ Jesus, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Judged by the cross. The grace that's been poured out in your life. You do have another choice. You can wait. You can say, well, I don't like that. I don't like what's behind door number one. Gate one, road one, way one. I do not like that choice. You have the opportunity to not choose that. But the Apostle John said, So that all honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And does not come into judgment, but it has passed out of death and into life. At the name of Jesus. He is God's answer to our problem. The one, the only answer. He is the one, he is the only Lord. That's why he got in so much trouble. If you remember when Jesus was confronting the Pharisees, One of the things that frequently happened to him is he would use terms that would stir them up. And chief among them was when he would compare himself to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and say to them, I am. There's a reason why. I am is actually the tetragrammaton that is used by the Hebrew people, Y-H-V-H, which means Lord God. And so when he says that, he's saying, I am, I am. I'm the one you've been worshiping. I'm the one you've been waiting for. 
I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door of the sheep. He said it over and over and over again. And finally the Pharisees said, enough, you can't say this anymore, because they knew what Jesus was saying was, he was God. And so when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father by me, but by me, he was saying, God says so. And they were enraged. They rent their garments. There's no way. That means you're Messiah. Yes. It's exactly what he was saying. At the name of Jesus. You see, as we think on these things, as we ponder these things, we're left with the decision, family. And people don't like to be pressed into a corner, but the Bible presses you into a corner. It leaves you no choice but to make a choice. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible leaves you no choice but to make a choice whom you will serve. Because in not choosing, you have chosen. In not choosing, you have chosen. Because there's only one name under heaven. There's only one Lord. Ephesians 4 declares that, amen? One Father, one Lord, one Spirit. So in not choosing, you have chosen. And you've chosen that broad path. You've chosen the wide gate. You've chosen the path that leads to destruction. Jesus Christ is Lord. One day, everyone who's ever lived will understand that fully and completely. The reason the gospel has the power it has, it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. Jesus Christ is Lord. When he said to tell us, I, it is finished, that is exactly what he meant. That the plan of God carried out through the life of the Son was finished. And so God exalted his Son. That's why he one day will sit for you at the Bema seat. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 describes that time when we will all one day stand before the Lord to receive the rewards done of those things that we've done here in this body. You see, it's going to be everybody's judge. The choice is, do you want to stand at the judgment seat in heaven or do you want to be in hell at the great white throne judgment? That's the choice. And I know I'm preaching right now and I intend to do exactly that. You see, the watered-down, dumbed-down gospel that all roads lead to heaven lead to hell. Because you can't get there any other way except through Jesus Christ. I didn't say it. God said it. Choices, do we believe it? Family, we have stewardship over our time, our talent, and our treasure. And if you're truly God's children, then Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. That means everything you are belongs to him.
Every possession that's in your control is his. Every second you spend on this earth belongs to God. Everything that touches you has been filtered through his hands. He's Lord. He is second to none. You see, his humility has led to his exaltation. The question is, what will you do with it? For me, Jesus is my Savior. He is my Savior. And I'm proud of it. Because I couldn't do it myself. I tried. He absolutely is Christ to me. He's the anointed one that came from heaven to this earth to fulfill the plans of God to redeem mankind. He is Messiah. But he is my Lord. He's my Lord. I answer to no one but Jesus. That doesn't mean that I won't listen to you. That means that I have a a, a single sovereign in my life. And he has the power over heaven and hell. He has all authority on heaven and on earth. And there's no one to compare to him. And I worship him. I don't worship freedom. I worship the Lord. I love freedom, but I worship the Lord. Amen? I love my wife, but I worship the Lord. I love my children, but I worship the Lord. There's only one person in my life that's worthy of worship. His name is Jesus. And I want to challenge you. I'm going to ask you all to stand. We're going to bring the worship team back up. In a moment, we're going to pray. I don't know where all of you stand. I know where I stand. I know where many of you stand. But I don't know where all of you stand. And so I'm going to ask you a simple question. If you came in today and you do not know for certain that Jesus Christ is your Lord then we're going to give you the opportunity to make that happen today. Today. I'm going to give you a second challenge. Maybe some of you, he's been your Savior, but he is not your Lord. He hasn't been ruling. He has not been reigning in your life. You've allowed sin to creep in. You've allowed the enemy to attack your life and you've given ground. So if either of those two things are you, in a moment we're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray and I'm going to simply ask you to slip your hand into the air. If either one of those two things is you, because I want to pray for you and I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you And he wants you. If you don't know him, he wants you to become his child, his son, his daughter. If you do know him, he wants to be your Lord. And so as we pray, 
If you want me to pray for you, simply slip your hand into the air and we'll pray. Let's pray. Bow your heads, please. Raise those hands. I see, see the hands all over the sanctuary right now. All of these hands that are raised right now. Raise your hand. If you're not walking with Jesus, you want to walk with Jesus, raise your hand. If you don't know him and you want to know him, raise your hand. Father, we pray for these that have raised their hands right now. And Lord, we ask by the name and the power of Jesus, the only name under heaven whereby men may be saved. Father, those that are waiting right now because they don't know you, pray this prayer with me. Father, invite Jesus into my life. I repent of my sin. And I ask that he would come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord, that I would never, ever walk one minute of the rest of my life away from you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. For those that are not walking, Lord, right now, you see the hands, you know the reasons. We want to pray together. Lord God, I need you to take control of my life. I haven't walked where I need to walk. I haven't been living the way I need to live. I need your power. I need your authority. Father God, we invite you now to do great and marvelous things in our midst. Would you touch these that have raised their hands by the power of your spirit? Give them what they have asked for. May we find you in every moment of every day. We bless your name. We praise you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.